Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is my best friend, Lauren Gismondi. <laughs> There's no other way to introduce you besides saying you're my best friend. I am your best friend. You're my best friend. Yay! Because not only is she a best friend of the pod, we're like really good friends in real life. Mm-hmm. So, and we've, have we actually seen Rocky Horror together? Yeah, during our undergrad. Uh, yes. You sat next to me when I was I a little did. baby freshman. We I, went to go see it, Um, the Midnight Madness preview. Did you see me in it? Like when no, I did? No, okay. no. But you, you know what it is, John? I think you told me about it after the fact that you were, you were one of the ensemble members, right? Yes, we'll get it. I'll, I'll go into story time with John later. But yeah. first... Let's talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Came out in 1975. Screenplay by Jim Sharman, based off the book, music, and lyrics by Richard O'Brien. Directed by Jim Sharman. And according to IMDb, a newly engaged couple have a breakdown in an isolated area and must seek shelter at a bizarre residence of Dr. Frankenfurter. And then there's alien stuff or whatever, but you know, who cares? <laughs> this movie is wild. <laughs> I love it. I tell people never to watch it with me if it's their first time watching it. <laughs> because, I mean, everyone knows, or if you don't know, there is like an audience script to it. Little, little history about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It bombed when it came out in theaters originally it was a failure but then they started doing midnight showings of it and that's when it became a cult classic you know people would be drunk and screaming back to it and that's how the audience script started and then they would bring props and you know when they say get toast they would throw toast and things like that and now there are some venues that actually make the little goodie bags of things that you're going to need, like the gloves and playing cards. And, ooh, is there rice? I feel like there's rice. We, I went to one and there was confetti. Um, Confetti. There were water, we had water guns. Water guns, newspapers (laughs) as well. (laughs) It's great. But the movie itself, it's so weird because this is one of the few movies that I have like a, on, that I that I'm doing on this podcast that I have a emotional attachment to. Mm-hmm. So doing finding flats was difficult, but I found one. <laughs> Yay! Oh, look at that. So in the movie there are 17 songs. Really, there are 19 songs. They filmed the songs once in a while and superheroes, but then they cut them for whatever reason. I I actually like those songs. Like Once in a While is Brad's song that he sings after he slept with Frank and Vitter. And it's like a reflection of like, what the fuck did I just do? Right, right. And then Superheroes is their finale song. So how did you watch this for this episode? 
I actually rewatched it last night. I usually will see it at some point in the month of October as part of my standard Halloween visual hoop de doo that happens over the course of the 31 nights of Halloween. Mm-hmm. I, I'm serious about it. And that I tried to just put myself in a neutral place for it because similar to you, I have some real emotional attachment to Rocky Horror Picture Show, both the live stage version and the movie. So Try similarly, just trying to just be objective. What are things that I'm seeing for the first time? And I did notice some things on this last viewing that I didn't catch in previous viewings. Okay. So that I found kind of nice and interesting. My favorite are the 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 little one liners that happen that are that you know us fans know them. Like mm-hmm. I always cry at weddings. Like there's a there's a call, there's a shout out to that one too. I so I have the DVD of it, and on the DVD that I have, you can either watch the US version or the UK version. Right. And in the UK version, they didn't cut superheroes. It's in yes. this. And you know, you've got Brad and Janet crawling all over a floor. It's great. I love it. <laughs> It this movie I I feel like this movie had a goal to be like the B horror movies from like the 50s. Right. And it did such a great job. I don't know. Yeah. It's we I can know I agree. I appreciate it because it knows what it is. It knew what it was. And what's nice about it is that it's had such an incredible life after being an initial box office failure. Right. Yes. And you got to think about it too. Also at this point in time, nobody knew who Meatloaf was. Susan Sarandon wasn't terribly well-known either as an actor. And this was Tim Curry's first feature. Yeah. Like he, he was (laughs) in, okay. So little background about the stage version. Mm -hmm. It opened in the West End in 1973 and it didn't open on Broadway until 1975. Uh, but Tim Curry originated the role of Frankenfurter in the London production. And if you ever get a chance, Lauren or the listener, I would say you should listen to the original cast album. It's very different than what it later became. Because then in 2000... I want to say, am I right in saying that? Yes. In 2000, there was the Broadway revival yep. starring Raul Esparza as Riff Raff. Yep. Uh, I think Daphne Rubin Vega was in it. Daphne Rubin Vega was in it. And I was about to say, it's not, what's her name? It was it Pat Ben, not Pat Benatar, who was in it. Hold on. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I don't know. I would have been 11. So I don't, my parents would not have let me see it at that point in time. Oh no, where am I? I'm on the Wikipedia page and I'm scrolling and scroll. There's a lot of information about the different productions, apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay, US productions. Um, okay, so it starred Tom Hewitt, later Terrence Mann as Frankenfurter, a little known actress named Alice Ripley as Janet, mm. um, Jared Amick. L- also, Luke Perry as Brad, Raul Sparza, later Sebastian Bach as Riff Raff, Joan Jett as Columbia. There you go. Later, Anna Gasteyer uh, took the, over the row. 
um, Daphne Rubin Vega as Magenta, and then Leah Deloria, uh, later Jason Woot- Wooten, was as Eddie? Eddie slash Dr. Scott. That, yeah. That's a common thing in a lot of the stage productions is that whoever plays Eddie then plays Dr. Scott. They're related. It, it makes sense. <laughs> and yeah. And it's great because like they never really share this stage together. So like mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about it. They don't say who was the criminologist though. Because th- that is a role that is in the stage version. But oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. So they were saying from October 2001 to January 2002, guest celebrities played the narrator, criminologist, mm-hmm. including Dick Cavett, Gilbert Gottfried, Sally ah! Raphael, Robin Leach, Penn and Teller, Dave Holmes, and Jerry Springer. Okay, I would have died to have seen Jerry Springer or Gilbert Gottfried. That would have been bloody hilarious. Right? It was... <laughs> It was so good. Let's see. I'm looking at the 40th anniversary show that they that happened. I don't know where it was, but it starred David Bedella as Frankenfurter, Ben Forster as Brad, Kristen La Christian, sorry, Christian Lavercombe as Riff Raff, Dominic Anderson as Rocky Horror, and then Emma Bunton as the criminologist, but also Aid Edmondson, Stephen Fry, Anthony Head, Mel, can't pronounce your last name, and Richard O'Brien. <laughs> that is wild. Like, wild. So Dick Cavett was the original criminologist on the 2000 Broadway revival, but then, like I said, they brought in other people. That's pretty cool. It was nominated for, the in 2001, Best Revival of a Musical, Best Performance by a Leading Actor for Tom Hewitt, Best Direction and Best Costume Design, and it, it didn't win any of them. And that's very upsetting. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. So a question that I had, doing this podcast, you know, watching movies and TV from like way before we had, we've had uh, like politically correctness conversation about certain things. How did this movie fare in your opinion? Honestly, I think it was kind of revolutionary for its time. I mean, that's the first time you really see an openly gay relationship and somebody who is openly playing with gender. Yeah. And like Frankenfurter is free love, you know, he's (laughs) goes for everyone. Yes. Yes. I, I think maybe potentially the first pansexual on film. So a few episodes ago, I did The Worst Witch, which also starred Tim Curry. Mm. And in it, like he's seen as a sex symbol. But I feel like this is the movie that is like defining him as a sex symbol because a lot of people like have crushes on him. And Oh my God, yes. I was probably, I might've been 17 when I first saw the movie. And yeah, it was a sexual awakening. Tim Curry coming down on that crazy costume and the way in which he shot. So there's a conversation in uh, in um, movie world of the male gaze, female gaze, which is you know where how the cameras are shooting a particular moment in a television show or a 
movie. I feel like that didn't necessarily exist for Tim Curry's character, but even for myself as a fledgling adult watching that being like, I am feeling things are happening and I am excited. I'm confused and I'm curious more than anything else. But like even rewatching it like the other day for this podcast, it felt like to go back a little bit, it felt like it still holds water. Like it's not, it's not like seven brights or seven brothers by any means. <laughs> no, but no, it's not. But like, yeah, he calls himself a transvestite and we try not to use that word as much, but like, he is a transvestite. Like, if you actually look up the definition of a transvestite, that's what Frankenfurter is. But also, they use it as like the planet or solar system name. Like, a yeah, transsexual, transsexual Transylvania, baby. <laughs> so, like, they're I- aliens, you know. And and much like other mythical creatures, it's sort of like when people get upset and all butt hurt. Like, you know, the new there's a version of the Little Mermaid that's out there where Ariel is played by a black actress and people were and and the tour that went out here is my other example the tour that went out where it was an asian actress uh playing ariel and some people had were got all butthurt about it it's like first of all it's a mermaid first of all these are aliens and they can it, it can be anything they want it to be why are we trying to push our limited humanness onto these ethereal mythical characters which is my really polite way of saying it's some bullshit and everybody just needs to sit the fuck down (laughs) so this is a great segue to (laughs) the fox production that happened back in 2016 oh god yeah you you and i watched that oh it was so bad but like I don't remember any controversy. Well, I did. I think I did hear some controversy over the casting of it where Laverne Cox played Frankenfurter, but it's like Frankenfurter can be anyone. Like the only ones that are gendered are Brad and Janet. Anyone can play Magenta, really. Mm -hmm. I feel like anyone could be Riff Raff. And even on, even on Glee, I told you not to watch it, but I know, but I saw it when it aired. So I, I happened to just put, it was on because I was a fan of the show at the time. And even then I was like, I mean, Amber Riley can sing the house. Sing the down. shit out of it. Yeah. So, so like, 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 bow okay. down, <laughs> like, like, I mean, Glee, technically Glee did it first before yes. the Fox version. I mean, I'm- it's almost 10 year difference really between the two, if I'm remembering correctly, there's, a, there's enough time. And they were both Fox programs, so whatever. So, like, the 2016, like, when you look at the cast, it should be great. I don't know what happened, but... (laughs) It was painful. That's what happened. And it wasn't painful for the reasons I think people initially anticipated it was going to be painful. No, like, Adam Lambert as Eddie, I think that was a moment where you and I were like, okay, they did a good job. No, that was a, that wow. was the highlight. I think that was the highlight. And was it either at, was it Annalie Ashford as Columbia? Yeah, yeah. Those were the highlights for me, both of them. Yep, 
I mean, they did such a great job, those two. And like, you know, <laughs> the weight of a whole production on four shoulders. <laughs> they were trying. I mean, do you think though that like this this movie I they try to like redo the movie but like if you actually were going to redo a movie not for tv do you think it's possible to redo it to redo this movie or did lightning only strike once i think with this particular movie it's hard to recreate it and the versions that have been recreated i feel like have been almost overproduced and by default sanitized because what makes the original movie gives it that extra spark, that extra thing is they didn't have an amazing budget to make it happen. You know, I believe it was only, it was filmed in a relatively short period of time. And Mm -hmm. these people at, when they were making it, nobody knew who any of them really were. They were not famous. So when you take, those are all things that fundamentally make it a unique piece. Whereas if you're trying to remake it, trying to re-replicate that process, a lot of these times that they've done it, they've taken out those rather large components of it. That what made, what gave it its grit. These are a bunch of people nobody really had ever heard of. They're not famous. They're not wealthy. None of these things existed. Mm. It, it's very hard. I mean, that would basically the way they would, if they wanted to replicate it, like by the, based upon the original process, a company would have to be willing to take the risk of doing it with a limited budget and with a bunch of nobodies. And I'm going to be honest and say, I do not believe there are other production companies out there that would potentially be willing to do both of those things. I would love to see it as Richard O'Brien as the criminologist. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, there. I feel like the criminologist narrator, whatever you want to call that role, I feel like that's the one that you can throw a celebrity in, no matter what. Like, like what they did yeah. on the Broadway one that I was talking about. That I think is acceptable. And because may- it's it's an outsider. It's an outsider's opinion. But like, if you want to maybe get a crowd, maybe do like Broadway folk. Not like Alice Ripley. Sorry. Like, she's great and all now, but like, don't cast her as Majicta. Like, I don't know. I don't know who who would you cast, but like, if they have a Broadway following, get the Broadway folk into the theaters. Maybe that'll work. Or like an up, like somebody who is an up and comer, like a, a, a winner of The Voice or one of those shows like maybe that that'll be something or or like a runner-up on one of their shows like maybe that'll be great for them and also for the this false (laughs) reboot that i'm talking about right (laughs) i'm not trying to reboot the movie but like we're in a world of reboots and remakes so it's just a question i'm posing not necessarily saying it's happening but i would love me personally, I would love a remake because then you can do the whole trilogy again because there are two other movies that there, there were two other movies that Richard O'Brien wrote. There is the sort of sequel called Shock Treatment, which yes. isn't what originally was planned. What was planned was something very gay, 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 gay. Mm-hmm. But 1980s America was not ready for that. 
So, and then there was the third movie that was never made called Revenge of the Old Queen, which is like about Frank's mom, the queen of uh, uh, Transylvania. Transylvania, thank you. Sending people to Earth to look for Frank, her son. So it's wild reading the description of it. <laughs> I was about to ask, is the script available anywhere? Probably not, right? Yes. If you if you literally Google Revenge of the Old Queen script, you can find it. And I have it. <laughs> I printed it out one day. Because I was just like, I can't keep... <laughs> Lauren is looking it up live right now. Script. It's the second one that comes up. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not rockymusic.org. Oh, yeah, it's a draft script. Okay. Well, I know what I will be reading tonight. <laughs> but the thing is, though, like, there is no music. So you're going to have to figure out what the music's going to be for those songs. Can I read this letter out loud? Sure. Let's do it. All right. This is. Um how the revenge of the old queen begins this is a first draft of the official sequel to the rocky horror picture show i feel a bit awkward distributing this with the rhps screenplay and the brad and janet show and all of the others those were the things that had already been presented to the public in some some official form or another with this it seems a bit like telling the punchline to somebody else's joke at a party or more accurately peeking in on your blind date in the shower in other words you're not supposed to see this yet blah 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 thank you to my anonymous source for providing this you know who you are so this is but this has been provided not by richard o'brien or anything like that but it this is this I don't think is supposed to be on the internet. Of course not. <laughs> Are you surprised? No. <laughs> Let me see. There I so on my other podcast, Movie Deja Vu, Shady and I actually sat down and compared Rocky Horror to Shock Treatment, which I know is a little blasphemous, but we did it in that episode there's so many factoids that i blurted out because you know i'm a rock i'm a huge rocky horror fan i will say it even to the point okay now it's john's personal corner i was in a production of it on long island back in 2007 (laughs) i played so in the show version they're not called transylvanians they're called phantoms the ensemble so i was a phantom and that's how I learned a lot of the call-outs because, you know, doing the show, we had to participate in a way for the actors because there's some pacing with some of them. Mm-hmm. One, one of the call-outs is, um, so Dr. Scott says I, about Eddie, I knew he was in with a rough crowd. And then the uh, audience goes, actors? And then there's usually a response of like a cast flipping you off breaking the fourth wall being like fuck you like we're mm-hmm. we're not that bad so <laughs> usually i say this in preface for the other story that i have <laughs> usually there's pacing cuz you know you have to know pause audience is going to say something and then you move on to your next line now so Lauren and I went to college together and mm-hmm. they did the rocky horror show 
they were not ready for me. <laughs> no. And in fairness, I don't think anybody in the audience was ready for you. For Nobody was ready preview. for the preview night. Everyone hated me. And I was just like, I just did it. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. This the is cast Re- loved you for it. This is Recky Horror. You're supposed yeah. to, you're supposed to do this. This is what is done. It's not a traditional theater show where, you know, you're in the audience, you're quiet, you laugh at appropriate times, you cry at appropriate times, you clap at appropriate times. No, Rocky Horror is the, like, one of the very, very, very few shows that you are yelling at the cast the whole time. The whole time. Uh, (laughs) So True, very true. So I was very proud of myself that I made that cast break character a bunch of times. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it's a it's a it's a trophy I hold greatly. <laughs> Thanks, Suni Fredonia. Thanks, Chad Fredonia. No, <laughs> no, free free ad space. Mm-hmm. But so while I was watching the movie, though, I I realized something that I don't think I've ever really asked myself in the past and that is is the time warp like a song or like a folk song in the universe of the movie or what no that's it or or is it like a a regular musical theater song where like you know everyone's bursting out into song because when you watch when you watch the movie they're celebrate there it's a party right yes and the way that later magenta and riff talk about the time warp it seems like it's like a hoedown or something so in your opinion do you feel that it's like a hoedown or do you think it's like a another musical musical number in the show no it's a line dance it oh yeah it's a line dance for sure and i would also say i think it might be classified as a folk dance because for the first time Yesterday, last night, I noticed in that party scene that there are a bunch of international flags, flags from different countries that are on the table. And when they're walking around serving food, there's a flag stuck into the plates, which I, I extrapolated that, oh, this must be a food from that particular country. And these guests, which are referred to as the unconventional conventionists later on in the movie, I thought to myself, I'm like, I'll bet you that these are these other people from Transylvania that have moved to different countries. Like, what are, who are these people? Well, because they're all dressed with, some of them have accessories that are not american or you yeah or necessarily british yes like there's somebody who looks like he's from the middle east yep kind of yeah and what i love about the transylvanians because that's i think that's like the term that people use to describe them mm-hmm. in the movie what i love about them is that you have tall short fat thin uh white black orange like you have every there is a body for almost everyone. Yeah, yeah. And they are all equal. Mm-hmm. Like they're all wearing the same thing, except their shirt's a different color. But like whatever. That's that's for visual eye candy. That's not like to say to mean something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
So and, all of, sorry, go ahead. And like um, the cast interacts with them. Like in Hot Patootie, the mm-hmm. plus size woman uh, is the one that like jumps in a way. One of them has a line in, I think the sort of Damocles or, mm-hmm. or I can make you a man. Yeah. Um, Tim Curry in uh, I Can Make You a Man reprise interacts with the little, like the, the little woman. Yeah. It's so great. The, yeah. So all of that to say, I think it would be classified as more of a, you use the word folk dance. We'll go with that. Well, because, you know, it, it's, it seems like it's a Transylvanian dance, dance of sorts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Now, did we take that and turn it into a massive party hit? Absolutely. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> oh, fuck yes. But like the, because even in the, in the song, it's like all those other songs, you know, like Cha-Cha Slide or. Yeah. They give you very specific instructions on what to do when. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if you have a sense of rhythm, you'll be okay. <laughs> you can, you can also pizzazz it up if you want to you know mm-hmm. little give it a little jazz number or whatever but you know i was just watching it i was like this is like the first time i'm really like oh this is so because you know there's some musicals where the songs are justified because it's like a performance or mm-hmm. something right. that was like the first time i was like this is like this is just this is not them breaking out into song this is them celebrating and they're doing the the time warp yeah because mm-hmm. the time warp is i think the name of the dance i don't think it's really anything else unless i'm wrong right and it sets up everything else that happens in the movie yeah because you're like everything you're- else that literally everything else that the song itself is a premonition mm, okay. what, they, what the each of the what each of the um supporting characters say what their lyrics say what each of them do. So what, what Riff Raff is talking about, madness taking control, like there's that, and how uh-huh. time is fleeting because they know that they're going to, you know, blow up the castle. <laughs> Spoiler! I'll add the jingle here. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> but that, and also like um, Magenta talking about her voyeuristic intentions, how she's constantly watching what everybody else is doing over the course of the whole movie. And then you, you find out about Columbia's relationship. Yeah, we get back uh, for her. Backstory and foreshadowing. Because mm, she falls on the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if that was, I don't know if that's really the reason, but like, no. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> But the but I this time I should add that I watched it with subtitles and I've been doing that a lot lately um, with all of the television and movies I watch as I always have subtitles on regardless of it, what language is being spoken or sung in and I was able to catch this stuff in real time because it was you know flashing in front of my eyes so I was able to pick up on a lot more than I probably would have if I were just in a movie theater watching it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. highly recommend everybody i suggest you watch things with subtitles you'll catch things you've never caught before it's not it, it, it also it's a great way to include everybody and i find that i'm able to talk to people while i'm watching something because i can read and listen to what's going on 
Oh, yeah, I guess. Rub I the belly, pat too. the head. Rub the belly, pat the head. <laughs> Rub the hat, pat the belly. Rub the hat, pat the belly. But Whatever you prefer. I, I didn't do that this time because I said I watched it on DVD, but usually right. I have subtitles going on. But another thing that also got me wondering is like, so, okay, in the Hapshat wedding, we see Frankenfurter, Columbia, Magenta, and Riff Raff, but they are not them. Right. Um, they are other characters. So it got me thinking, did they actually pick Brad and Janet then to then have all this shit happen to them? Or is it just like they needed bodies and, you know, we have the cast, we may as well just throw a wig on them and call it good. What do it you could, think? I think it's possible that that was the the need for people might have been the actual thing. But mm. because there are fans out there that like you and myself that like to read into things, what's nice about it is that you can see what you want to see and interpret it however you see fit. So I do believe that the two ideas are correct and they're not mutually exclusive. Ooh, look at you. Look at you being progressive. (laughs) Well, why not? You know, at the end of the day, I'm like, both things can be true. That is is right. You know, it's like the end justifies the means. (laughs) Jim Sharman and Richard O'Brien, come on the pod. Tell us like the definitive answer. (laughs) I would have questions. I would die if Richard O'Brien was like yes I will come on your podcast I would be like I can't do this anymore guys I'm out dead I died (laughs) also Richard O'Brien tell me about shock treatment (laughs) Mm -hmm. we gotta talk about that Mm -hmm. I have an interesting history with this songs from this uh movie that I think might be fun to share oh story time with Lauren go (laughs) so as many people do in their late teens and early 20s, I had my wisdom teeth removed. And while I opted to stay awake for the procedure, they gave me the option, you can, we'll knock you out, we'll give you the general anesthetic, or you can stay awake, we'll give you the laughing gas, and you can be you know, functional. And I opted to stay awake. And when I got to the office the day of my surgery, they gave me an iPod. Now that's 2009, just so for those of you that don't remember or know what an iPod is, uh, it's like a cell phone, but only for music. Oh no. <laughs> and they said, you can listen to anything you want while you have the procedure done. You're gonna be awake. You get to choose your soundtrack. And I was on a serious Rocky Horror kick that summer. So I was like, you know, I'm going to listen to Rocky Horror. And I set it up and they put it into the um, iPod dock. So they've got the stereo going. My doctor, my surgeon got such a kick out of that choice because it's so, it's got that really great rock driving score. And so the drills are going. There's somebody holding my head down to keep, you know, while they're operating. And I am high as a goddamn kite on laughing gas, listening to the soundtrack while they are extracting all of my wisdom teeth 
two of which were impacted. So that I heard the crunching and the music and the drill. So that, John's making a face at me now. <laughs> oh my God. That's when an experience. I, it was. My doctor, the surgeon, the oral surgeon absolutely loved it. He so, said, thank you for this. He's like, I've never operated to Rocky Horror before, like so, ripping out teeth. To clarify, though, yes. it's the movie soundtrack, not a different version of it. Correct, yes. So the 1975 movie soundtrack. Because, they, you know, they, I, I'm also imagining you to the 2000... No, 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 no. Tim Raul Curry was Esparza, there. With Raul Esparza, like, going buck wild. No. Have you heard, have you listened to that? I have, and the answer is no. Um, <laughs> I don't think that was an option, honestly, on the iPod, because guess what? There was no Wi-Fi on that iPod, kids, um, which means that it was just whatever was Whatever was downloaded was, onto it, yeah. Is what you had, is what I had to choose from. And I guess another interesting part of that story um, is that my parents were in the waiting room to come and like kind of carry me out after the procedure was over. And there was an emergency surgery that happened before my procedure and they didn't tell my mother, but my but it was a whole freaking thing where my mom freaked out at the front desk staff because she thought something was wrong with me, something had gone wrong with the surgery. Oh no. Yeah, so Louise was like, skulls were gonna roll, heads were gonna roll. Um, and meanwhile, I'm in the back just like jamming out to Rocky Horror Picture Show while my mother is having the panic attack of the year, wondering why no a surgery that was supposed to take a half hour at the most took an hour and a half. Oh, my God. So there is another. So not only is there the original West End cast, the movie mm -hmm. version, the 2000 version, but there is another version called the Rocky Horror Punk Rock Show which is punk covers of the songs featuring bands like it, it's from 2003. So grain of salt, everyone we're coming You're going on a trip with us. We're <laughs> doing the time warp right now. Yes. Uh, we are. Featuring bands such as the Ataris, Big D and the kids table, um, <laughs> the independents, the groovy ghoulies, me first and the gimme gimme's and alkaline trio. Oh my gosh. I was like, please tell me Tenacious D is on there mm. because I don't know if anybody else watched it, but during the pandemic last Halloween, so October of 2020, Jack Black, and I forget his partner in the band Tenacious D, did a recording of Time Warp. Stop. Oh, it is so good. Stop right now. So at some point, this. look it up. Yeah, look it up. Tenacious D, Time Warp. They did it all separately. You know, they recorded in their separate respective homes and there may or may not be costumes. Oh my God. That's all I'm going to say. Oh my God, Lauren. And on that note, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Stripe and Flat? I don't think so. I don't know if we talked about the music enough, really, since this is like a musical podcast. We didn't really talk about the music. Should we talk about the music a little bit? Okay. Do you have a... Well, so, okay. So do you have a, all right. Mm -hmm. You know what? You know what? At the end, I always ask you, would you add any songs to your life's playlist? Do you have a least favorite song from this show? Honestly, I, I would guess I would say science fiction double feature is my least favorite. I don't think I have one. Okay. That's fair. I, I, I just think out of all of them, it's the one that I'm like, it almost doesn't fit in. 
with what everything else that happens in the score. Yeah, I mean, it, in its defense, if I may, if I may mm-hmm. play a defense lawyer for a second, sure. I think it sets up the mood of the show, movie, whatever we're watching, because the con, like I said, the concept is like it's a 1950s B horror movie. So in science fiction double feature, they are listing all these other movies that are influences right, yes. for Rocky Horror. So I that's how I read it. But like I also I think I'm I am of two minds like you are. I can see your point because it's otherworldly. Like we have all these songs in the world, including the time warp, which is not a what we said what what we defined it's not really like them breaking out into song it's them Mm -hmm. singing along to something but science fiction double feature even in the stage version like it's an usherette usually who who does it and you're like this isn't this is a little diff like does it make sense so I see your point, but I also just fucking love this show. So. That's fine. And like I said, you said, you asked which one was my least favorite. It is and my least is favorite. The, it is. I and can it's see not that, to yeah. say, yeah, and it's not to say that because the song stinks. It's just that everything else is so good. <laughs> right. And and also, like I said, it it in this, in the movie, it's, uh, it's uh, Patricia Quinn's lips, mm-hmm. lip syncing to Richard O'Brien singing it. Yeah. It's not, there is no real visuals. It's just mm-hmm. the lips. And you're like, yeah. okay, how does this tie into the rest of the movie? Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest here. Maybe, maybe Damn It Janet is my least favorite. <laughs> if I had to pick one. That's okay. I do like Once in a While because it, it's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, especially if, um, uh, if you listen to the uh, 2000 revival cast album like they have they have a lot of fun with that number but yeah I I I have a very strong attachment to this I can't I can't (laughs) all right let's get into sharp and flat shall we Mm -hmm. let's go sharp flat so in this section we're gonna highlight some moments we didn't really talk a lot about the movie we talked a lot around the movie but now we're gonna talk highlight moments that in the movie or not uh and if we liked it it's sharp and if we hated it or thought it could be changed it's flat lauren what are your sharps the whole score great (laughs) no okay 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i I will do better um that's one I was like three right, right, right. seconds away to be like the whole movie is a banger because it is. I got you, got but you. like, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be stupidly specific, and there's That's a lot fine. of there's a lot of stupid. Yeah. So uh, yes, I would say the score. I think it's one of the original kind of rock musicals. Mm-hmm. If we're if I'm you know if I were to like pinpoint do like my my due diligence in musical theater history studies, this one is one of the first. And it's certainly one of the more ridiculous ones. Right. I, think, I guess I guess Jesus Christ Superstar came out before this. So maybe JCS is first. But this is the one that I think ultimately has the most commercial success. Mm-hmm. Full scope. I really, I enjoyed the fact that 
the ensemble was very inclusive. Uh, if you look at other movie musicals that came before that, not the case. Not the case. At all. At all. I, I think they embraced weird. They embraced weird. Or maybe not weird's not really a nice word. Um, they embraced what the world actually looks like. They made Brad and Janet look like yuppies. Like they're not sexy ingenues that we no. see today. They No, they, the sexiest person in the whole cast, honest to God, is Tim Curry. Yes. And that's done, I think, on purpose. I mean, I would also I may also argue Magenta and Columbia a little bit, but he, yes, but I'm saying as far as like where your eye is gonna draw mm-hmm. in a picture of the three of them. I'm looking at Tim Curry. I'm looking at Tim Curry too. Yeah. It's the <laughs> it gets bonus points for being one of my first sexual awakenings as an adult. Yay. That's a sharp. Woo! We, love, we love an awakening. Um, oh goodness. I, I appreciate the camp mm-hmm. and the comedy that, that, you know, that it just naturally has. And all of Tim Curry's cutaways to the camera, where he looks directly at the camera and engages the audience. Tim breaking the fourth wall. (laughs) Like, Dr. Scott breaks the fourth wall once, and I was like, no, that's not, you don't do this. You don't do this. It's just not as effective, you know? No. And I think we talked about it briefly being revolutionary at the very beginning of this podcast in talking about how it openly explores sexuality. Yeah, because, I mean, even today, sex is a, is a little taboo. Like, yes. you have women in bras while having missionary sex. Come mm-hmm. on. Like, come on. Which is a real thing. That does happen. It sometimes. is a real thing. But, like, in every TV show and movie. Right, right. Like, it's a nipple. Right. Everyone has, an, <laughs> everyone has them. Most likely, Yes. <laughs> But bigger so also in like in that you have this character that's op- that's playing with gender mm-hmm. and is making it and it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to like let your imagination run wild and wondering like what would that even be like? I'm like especially because the lines are it's not so bad, is it? Right? You might even find it pleasurable. Uh-huh. It's like oh maybe I would. I don't. I'm very confused. I am confused. Like I said at the very beginning, I'm very confused. <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like, I feel like you need a queer person to play Frankenfurter as like a staple, whatever Mm -hmm. gender they decide they are, or whatever, or like how they want to be depicted, that's up to them. Right. You have to have somebody who is openly like queer. Yeah. Play that role. I think that helps. Yeah. And as we said, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like. I mean, even, I know Amber Riley isn't or doesn't really di- identify as qu- genderqueer. She fucking owned it on Glee and sang the shit out of it. Laverne Cox, though, looked stunning. I mean, acted the shit out of the role. Did she sing well? Debatable. Okay, so my sharps. Oh, so do you have more? Let's hold it there because okay. I know you're going to ask more questions later. So my sharps to play off your love of the camp. I just Rocky's undressing during sort of Damocles, where he's like so stiff and like turning around. I like <laughs> giggled with glee 
while watching that because it's so stupid yet I love it. I love Frank's leather jacket. I don't know why I never thought about it before. It's, it's so cute. Scene. It's so awesome. And Tim Curry is great. Like <laughs> he has, he That's- does, he has this like very toothy smile that is so like warm and welcoming, but also like terrifying at the same time. Especially- yeah, he's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> What I'm more thinking of is like when he smiles before he kills Eddie, like it's very menacing. But then later when he smiles um, because he's turned on by Rocky, he has a range of smiles, basically. And I love it. And I love him. He's great in this role. And then I just love from the floor show to the end, really. Like, I love the whole movie. But if I'm going to pick like moments that I really love, it's Rose to My World, Don't Dream It Be It. But like the last five or six songs are the ones that I'm just like, oh, yes, this is it. Like, I love singing every part in Rose Tint My World. Because <laughs> I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay. Do you have any flats? Not against the movie in particular. I have flats against all the replicas, which I've already stated. Um, not replicas, but all of the, the uh, later iterations of mm-hmm. it are where my issues, I think, primarily lie. Yeah, I, I I don't really have anything outside that. What I oh well wait no lies I take it back I thought of something the oh. fact that the that the UK version and the US version what they've taken away from the US version mm. that's a mm-hmm. lot for me that they cut those two songs you mean yes mm-hmm. I feel like in that way that because when I was it's funny because actually because I was watching it on Hulu yesterday. And I, Hulu only has the American version. So those two songs don't exist. And I, similar to you, have the DVD that lets you choose which one which you want to watch. Yeah. But I don't have a DVD player anymore. So I was like, well, Hulu, it'll be fine. As I, now that you say this, I'm like, oh, well, the that's U- my flat. Is the, that UK, the UK, the UK version only has superheroes. Once in a while, is isn't in it. Right, they, right, right. They filmed it. They recorded mm-hmm. it. You can find it on YouTube, but it's not on the DVD. Right, right, right. Very upsetting. Yeah, because I, I realized that I'm like, oh, right. They cut that stuff out of the U.S. version. I forget if it was a problem of censorship or if it had to do with time. I don't remember why those changes happened offhand, but that's my flat. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so my flat is even stupider, but not really. Because oh, good. Our levels of stupid are similar. That's good. So my flat is the audience script. Because I, w- I, was, I was doing the call-outs while watching it because it's, it's motor re- it's reflex at this point. I know. There's some of them that I had to, cont- I had to restrain myself because I was watching it with other people. And I'm like, do not just start saying all of the things. <laughs> but while I was doing it, I was realizing, you know, there's a lot of like, degrading women in it oh and there's a lot of terminology that i'm like oh i said this back in the day like i know the big thing is to call brad an asshole whenever he says his full name and janet a slut whenever she says her full name but i'm like no she's having a sexual awakening during this so is she really a slut is i mean she's she sleeps with two guys in the course of like an hour maybe 
So is that really a slut or is she just like, you know, getting some? I don't know. But the, like, there are some things that I'm just like, okay, maybe I need to like rewire my brain and not say this. <laughs> there were some things that I was like, oh, I'm not shouting this one right now. <laughs> but like, there are other ones that I are staples for me. Like, um, in over at the Frankenstein place, when Janet sings in the velvet darkness and the darkest night burning bright. So then you shout out, what's up your ass? There's a brand new car in rhythm. That's that to me was, is still funny, but like, I don't know. Being like, can you see this bitch when you're, when Magenta says, uh, um, before Magenta says, I see y'all and you flip her off. Like, I was like, Ooh, maybe not say that. (laughs) I don't know. It this this is more so like the 2021 eyes for me. Like the movie itself, I tried. I tried really hard to be like, is this still okay with the way that the world is conversing now? And I feel like it is. Like I feel like this is one of the few movies from the past that shouldn't be canceled, shouldn't be altered or whatever, because like it holds up, it holds water, like we said. And that's my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. Uh, <laughs> would you add any of these songs to your life's playlist? I already feel like I answered that question when I told my, my story about <laughs> having it played while I'm having an operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I have, uh, I actually don't have the movie soundtrack, so believe it or not. I have, wow. I have the original cast. I have the uh, revival cast I have the punk version I have the glee version don't judge me but I don't have the movie version but I think I need to download them I need to remedy that so I'm going to buy it later uh- <laughs> it's on Spotify John you can listen to it for free for God's sake I could but I also <laughs> want to give it money want to give Richard Fair. O'Brien a penny or whatever okay All right, um, and on that note Lauren hmm. we did another episode together Geez, so many of them now, right? Are we in double digits yet? I don't know. You'd have to look. You can, You have a way to look. I do. I have <laughs> lists and things like that. Uh, Lauren, what do you have to plug or promote? Oh, geez. You guys, so many things. Uh, you can catch me singing throughout the holiday season with the Jolly Holidays. We're all over the boroughs and into Connecticut and New Jersey, upstate New York. We kind of go everywhere. Uh, so you can see me gallivanting around in my Victorian dress. It's, oh, sorry, excuse me, Dickensian dress. It's a riot. Um, also, because it's Halloween, um, I'm going to plug my sister my witchy sisters at uh dead man's toe productions because it's been almost a year since we released bring us to life so if you haven't watched it you owe it to yourself mostly because we're ridiculous and the the plot is ridiculous and also wonderful if you like campy things like rocky horror you will also enjoy bring us to life plus they're all talented i mean yeah pretty we're pretty cool. We've also, you've heard us speak on other episodes of John's shows, both myself and Ariana and Amanda's been on as well. So be sure to listen to them. They are powerhouses in their own rights. Um, and is that it? Is there anything else? No. 
Those are the things that are like at the form. The forefront. My brain. Yeah. Yes. Can you talk about retired witch? No. I mean, we're doing our industry readings now in New York. So that's really exciting. So if you have money and you're like, what should I do with this extra bit of money? Email me and I'll put you in touch with our producer so you can give them money to help us get our show on a stage, either in New York City or someplace. Or you can email me at butasongpod at gmail.com and I could get you in touch with Lauren. Oh, smart. Yeah, because I didn't, I don't want my personal email just being out there in the ether. <laughs> or, or you can reach out to me via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at butasongpod. I mean, I'll, I'll put Lauren's Instagram as well because I mm-hmm. always do. Uh, if you have money, throw it her way. If you have money, throw it my way too. I like money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell me your thoughts on Rocky Horror. Did we do justice with this episode? Did we miss something entirely that you wanted to hear? Uh, I may read it out loud on an episode if you are so willing to write to me. And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we're continuing on with spooky season. It'll be the Mm. last one for the month of October. Not on the podcast, really, because there's still more horror musicals out there surprisingly uh so many so many but we're ending it off with a bang with repo the genetic opera oh i so enjoy repo i'm glad you're gonna talk about it oh it's a it was a doozy of a conversation if i do say so myself (laughs) awesome i can't wait to listen in woohoo until next time it's just a jump to the left Mm, and then a step to the right Put your hands on your hips or somebody else's. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.